Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Funk Master B, setting up that tea for the duo of dumb foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee. I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living species? Bigfoot, messy, all that stuff, it's got to be real. How are we to say that we're the only ones? It's just ignorant. I think aliens are not only from other planets, but they're time travelers. Welcome back to Beyond Terrestrial, your home for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and all things supernatural and spookily dookily. I'm Lee, coming to you from the Haunted Barn Studios, as always, in the Bell Witch's backyard. And I've got a partner here. His part, he's been my partner for a little while. It's been good. Not been awkward. Um, n- nothing in that. Yeah. Uh, his name is Dan Martin. Dan. How you doing? I don't know. Like, uh, I prefer I prefer the title hetero life mate. Hetero life mate's a great title there. Hetero I, life I, mate. I like it. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, guys. I am Dan Martson. I am coming to you just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. And Lee, uh, we're down we're down here in Mississippi, right? Um, we just had a little bit of snow. Um, back in january um and it was you know an event an event oh yes um you know when like the northeast is gonna get like a foot of snow and it's all over the news Uh uh-huh yeah yeah i'm with you we were gonna get like two inches of snow and it was like that like people were like oh my god (laughs) freaking out (laughs) I hate to and we didn't even we didn't even get that much snow. Oh, I hate to blast um a person that I love very much so I won't say her name. Um but she got so excited the other day cuz there was a skiff of snow and she said, "But it's accumulating." Um it was not even an inch of snow. Like 
it, it was. <laughs> it's accumulating. <laughs> that is. <laughs> wow. That is um, a very, very low bar for snow. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. She's from Florida. I have to give her that. I'm coming from Idaho where that is not the case, especially in northern Idaho. In southern Idaho, eh, um, you get snow, but it's more just cold and shitty. <laughs> but that's just my oh, opinion, dude, Dan. No, what do you um, think? Huh? Well, yeah, yes and no. Um so like we lived out in Burley, right? And it's pretty flat out there. That's the problem. Is if you're is if you're along that freeway corridor in the valleys and stuff, uh there's really not a lot of hills. Uh-huh. Um so it makes it cuz like if you live in the desert when it snows, yeah, that's great, but you know, it's all rocks and sagebrush and there's just not a lot of good places to go sled, you know? Uh-huh. Um but if you live on the Palouse up in beautiful North Idaho, hills everywhere. Take your pick. Oh, yeah. Middle of the... Yeah. So. Yeah, it's crazy over there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just two different worlds. Um, but I think the thing about southern Idaho snow that was really crazy is um, the drifts. Because it is flat and you get the, the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the snow drifts were unbelievable um there was uh, maybe i'll have to share a picture in the facebook group um there was a year we were working um where we had like a five foot deep snow drift um at the back door of my work uh it was insane oh wow wow that's oh crazy. yeah mm-hmm. um because so. it was just it was just kind of in a corner and the wind would kind of circle up there and accumulate and it was ridiculous uh-huh yeah so i don't know my experience that, with southern idaho is it was usually just cold and didn't snow like it was just super cold and wouldn't snow um and that's kind of like high desert for you i guess yeah yeah well i mean uh you you gotta head uh east a little bit up into the tetons that's where all the snow was at oh yeah tetons aren't bad yeah um, but anyways, Lee, talking about snow, uh, the subject of the day is the abominable snow monster, better known as the Yeti. Yes, the Yeti. Popularized in movies um, like oh, yes. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I almost forgot about that one. They call him Bumble. Yukon <laughs> uh, Cor- Cornelius called him Bumble. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or Mumble. Or, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was the guy's name, Yukon Cornelius. I love that dude. Oh, He's man. my hero. Don't don't talk shit about Yukon Cornelius. Not. I'm just no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sorry. So yeah, well, dude, there's been um, there was like a run of uh kids snow monster movies. One of them was named Abominable. Um, that has like a kid snow monster. Oh, um, yeah. the the missing link. Did you see that one? That was a Leica Studios movie. Um, no, there was a uh, there was one where the kid's dad was Bigfoot. Was that was that Abominable? 
No. Um, well, and then there's another one too that I'm trying to think of. Littlefoot, like, or something like that. Yes, that's it. That's a Littlefoot. That was, <laughs> that was where the kid goes up the mountain and, uh, like, there's a yeti who lives up there who, like, you know, rebels against his dad or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it it's uh, like, um, it's it's almost portrayed in the reverse of of us seeing Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot seeing Littlefoot. Right, right, and the, and then the Yeti goes through this coming of age story. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> it's the protagonist of the film. Yeah, and the and the human is like the MacGuffin. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that is that is a weird one. Um, yeah, dude, all these movies came out within like three, four years of each other. I mean, they were all right there. This is a weird thing that happens with movies, though, like. A movie comes out about one thing, um, and then the next thing you know, there's four other movies about the same thing. Well, I was always under the impression, in a lot of ways, that's uh, um, because the same movie is shopped around to so many different studios, um, they they end up taking the same ideas. Yeah, yeah, very true. I think... I think what happens is when one studio sees another one, like, take a chance on a movie, they're like, aha, they think it's going to make money, so it's probably going to make money. <laughs> Fair. Uh, that's not something that could be argued for movies like Ar- Armageddon and um, what's that other one? Um, Deep Impact. Deep Impact. Right? Like those. Why, why do you say that? Those ones came out too close together. They were like a couple months yeah, apart. It, yeah, and they're total rip. They're essentially the same thing. Yeah. Oh, so you're well, saying you they about hear it, about the movie, they in, don't see the movie come out, and then say, oh. Yeah, they're in development for forever, you know? Okay. All right. That's how movies work. Movies aren't just born like that. They're in development, Lee. You're in development. Hey, speaking of development... Let's talk about our friends over at Simple Equations Media really quick. They can develop an idea that you have for uh, a song, a movie, a music video, um, all kinds of uh, short film and audio projects. They're a full-service audio video production company in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada, and they do all the editing for this show. Um, they can help you out too, um, from pre-production through post-production. That's that, you know, development that we're talking about. So they can develop it, they can shoot it, they can cut it. Um, they're good dudes over there. So give them a shot, simpleequationsmedia.com. Um, check it out. We promise they won't rip off your idea to make their own movie. <laughs> right good for them the solid dudes who we had on the show before so yes. friends of the show yes friends of the show um, so anyways lee now that that's out of the way yetis yetis um so i guess the first thing to get out of the way not only are there a bunch of movies um recent movies out about it now um but I guess in the cultural zeitgeist now, if I say Yeti to you, what's one of the first things you think of? White Bigfoot. Okay, well, that's you, Lee. Grandpa Foot. Um, Grandpa Foot. A lot of people a lot of people would say 
coolers. Oh. Okay, yeah, yes, that dude. makes sense. That makes some sense there. Dude, those coolers are nice. Like I love me a I love me a Yeti cooler, but uh I love me a Yeti knockoff cooler cuz I ain't paying no $300 for a cooler. No. No way. Why who I want to know how they're in business. How are they in business, Dan? Be- because people like that Yeti logo. Shit, they got Yeti hats. They got Yeti stickers. You can buy Yeti merch. You can buy cooler merch. We live in a world where cooler merch exists. <laughs> oh. Hey, speaking of merchandise, <laughs> head over to beyondterrestrial.com. Click on the link that says shop, and uh, you can find yourself some nice Beyond Terrestrial t-shirts and stickers. Dan, Dan, let's talk about your your segues into advertisements today <laughs> is on point. Like, it is amazing. Dude, yeah, dude, this, honestly, um, cut cut the rest of the show. This is it. Uh, this is the, the best we've ever done, the best I ever will do. So that's it. I'm, I'm out. Hey, speaking of changing van. <laughs> Man, oh. it is on point. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, but no, like seriously, cooler merchandise. Have you ever in your entire life loved a cooler so much you thought, yeah, I'd wear that on a t-shirt? No. Nope. <laughs> No, no. Now, that being said, I am currently wearing a Mountain Dew t-shirt, so is it really all that different? Um, yes, because I can ingest Mountain Dew, it tastes delicious, and it might actually be coursing through my bla- veins right now. Dude, Done. for $300, I would need a cooler to satisfy me in ways that no cooler aren't, ever will. aren't speakable on a podcast. <laughs> Well, this is marked explicit. Um, let me tell you. No, I won't oh. tell you. <laughs> please, please don't tell us. Please, please don't do that. <laughs> but seriously, that's a shit ton of money for a cooler. Get a knockoff. You, there's a ton of knockoffs. Um, a lot of them are really good. They'll hold ice for a lot longer than a regular cooler. Go for it. Uh, there's like Orca brand, all kinds. Um, Unless the people at Yeti want to send us a cooler because, um, let me tell you what, those knockoffs are shit and you better buy you a <laughs> Yeti cooler. <laughs> yeah, garbage. We, like, you got to get a Yeti cooler. Um, you absolutely must. And you know what? You should get the um, the bottle openers that go on the side, too. Yes. Um, and a couple stickers to maybe put on your uh, automobile. You know what? Yeah. Fuck it. Do it. Yeah, don't forget about the cups. The $60 cups are way better than the Walmart $10 ones. Like, way better. Um, oh, and the metal koozies that go over the can. Now, those koozies that go over the cans and bottles are pretty genius. Yes, yes. I got to give them that one. That was a stroke of brilliance. Yes. Okay. Moving on from trying to sell Yeti coolers um, that we don't <laughs> actually think are worth the value. Um <laughs> Dude, well, see, that's the thing. If you go to research Yetis like I just had to do, um, what comes up? You put Yeti into a search engine. They it's all cooler shit. I still yeah, want to know who do. buys them. Like, who spends that much money on a cooler? 
It's not that important. Lee, this is this is the brilliance of this day and age. Like, if you make something that people want, you can charge anything for it. <sighs> Welcome to the 21st century. Um, so the stories of Yetis, though, Lee, uh, they go way back before so double-walled, vacuum-sealed coolers. Dan. I mean, they go back into prehistory. Dan. Dan. Yes. If I yes. shit in my hand and spray paint it gold, do you think I could sell that for $300? I said something people want, Lee. I don't know. Um, Maybe somebody wants if, my shit-covered hand with gold. I'd well, cut the hand off. how much off. did someone pay for a banana duct taped to a wall that they said was art? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, like, that's... That's the point of it, Lee. It doesn't have to be anything of value, like actual value. It's the perceived value. Mm, perceived. That's what people pay for. I wish we had You're, a lot more perceived the, value. Lee, uh, I know, me too. The <laughs> dollar bill in your pocket is nothing. It's a piece of cotton paper. Yeah. There's no gold backing it, right? There's there's nothing. It's all perceived value. Oh, hey, funny story about perceived value. The other day I bought in to some Bitcoin, right? Uh-huh. And I'm telling you, it was the best decision of my life to sell it. Because it tanked? It fucking tanked today. Well, over the last couple of days. Like, it just died. Here's the best part, though. Wow. I made 20 bucks. I, I put in 100 bucks, made 20, sold out. Made 20. I'm happy. Wish I had bought That's in earlier. That's gambling, son. That's two- gambling. Yep. <laughs> but um, but I've got f- people up here that were, like, trying to sell me on it so much, and it tanked so bad. You know, um, you'd probably have a lot more fun if you took that 100 bucks to the casino and played blackjack. Probably. Hey, I made 20 bucks, though, so I can't complain that much, Dan. Yeah, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. So 20 bucks um, is 20 bucks. Well, Lee, you cut into my good segue about how old Yeti stories were. Hey, speaking of Yeti stories, Dan, (laughs) you were about to tell us something about Yeti stories. I sure as shit was, Lee. Um, (laughs) No, so Yeti. uh, God damn it. So proud of myself. See, we were so good. And now we're not. This, this is, now we're back to our old selves. Um, I'm sorry. Listeners, if you just listen and you thought that first part was really good, uh, we're never that good. This is what you're in for. Um, <laughs> so uh, Yeti lore goes back uh, to prehistory, Lee, like way the hell back. Um, and, of course, it is centered around uh, the Himalayas. Um, Central Asia, um, South Asia, China, a little bit of Russia. Um, and it becomes very closely tied with um, certain sects of Buddhism, which is a really strange thing, Lee, that I didn't know about. Um, and Buddhism is one of the is probably the world religion that I know the least about. Um, so Lee, when we talk about Buddhism, what comes to your mind? Like, what are you thinking of? 
All right, do you want my honest answer? Because I feel like it's a little bit racist. You know what? Now that you said it, you got to say it. Nail salons. What? That's it? That's your Buddhism reference? No, 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 no. Um, (laughs) No. um, When I think of Buddhism, I really, I I go into, um, I believe Buddhism is about reincarnation, trying to live your best life, karma. um, And then uh, the other big thing is the statues of Buddha, which is just a tubby little happy little um, baby looking fat man. Um, the, you like rub his belly for good luck sometimes. And, uh, you have a little altar to him in your home. Yeah. Well, um, I, I like, uh, like thinner golden Buddha statues myself. That's just me. That's my aesthetic. So when I think of Buddha, that's what I think of. Okay. Uh, so like I think of eight pound, nine ounce baby Jesus and, (laughs) And 300 and the pound. Big, you, you're thinking the big old booty belly roll. I'm thinking of the big old booty belly roll. <laughs> the old booty belly roll. Uh, but you're no, allowed no, to I'm, think of your skinny, sexy Buddha if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that Buddha. Uh, or maybe a sleeping Buddha, you know, a nice reclining one. Um, maybe he's so wearing a the, tuxedo the Buddhist, t-shirt because he's not too but formal, yeah. but he's... <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, no, Buddha statues, um, monks, right? You think of Buddhism, yep. you think of monks. Yep. The the orange robes, you know, the Kung Dalai Fu. Lama, bald heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that is my reference to it. Um, and I think, um, you know, it was really adopted into Buddhism from earlier religions um, going back to like... Uh, naturalistic like mountain deities right um lee a lot of these villages uh that were set up early villages around the mountains of the himalayas um like the local peak would be considered the home of the you know local deity that protected the village or whatever or the Um, mount olympus kind of thing Yes, yes. I mean, mountains as a home of the gods is um, not unique to Western culture. So, uh, and th- these were like naturalistic deities, um, spirits that protected the village. And if the villagers got out of line, they would send down their their minions, their henchmen, to. Uh, to cause trouble and this is where the yeti comes in it's kind of like a kind of like a boogeyman or something to uh scare kids you know into behaving or like scaring kids into behaving oh yeah um nothing like putting the fear of god into a kid <laughs> but, but yeah so so this this is where the yeti lore really starts um and it gets incorporated into like creation myths of these early uh, Asian religions um, in in some Tibetan culture. Um, the Yeti were six sons of uh, two of two of the gods that are revered in Hinduism. Uh, they had six sons. One of the gods is like a monkey form sort of god. And the other is uh, 
uh, like a female protector or something like that. And then they have they have these kids, and the six sons spawned uh, six tribes of Tibetan people that eventually evolved into uh, the modern Tibetan cultures. Um, and so the Yeti kind of exist in a place in between humans and animals. Okay. All right. That explains the, uh, the animalistic, uh, look, I guess, um, looking like a big giant ape. Um, right. Well, and, and you should see some of the depictions of them, like in these Buddhist temples and stuff like that. Um, some of them can be a uh, very humanistic. So, uh, and sometimes they have multiple arms too. So that's cool. Um, uh, <laughs> And uh, sometimes they carry off people who uh, misbehave or blaspheme. You know, uh, you murder them and carry them away. I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm imagining, like, do you remember the uh, the Spider-Man cartoon from the um, late '90s, where he becomes a spider and has multiple arms and stuff oh, like that yeah. in the in between? Yeah, of course yeah. I remember that shit. Paint that guy, and then white it finishes and... with like Madam Web and the multiple dimensions oh, and stuff like yeah. that. This, like oh, that yeah. was the Spider Verse before Spider Verse was a thing, oh, guys. N- guys, seriously, dude, it's all on Disney Plus. Go back; it's all on Disney Plus. Is it? Oh yeah, shit, man, yeah. I don't know if I can handle watching that. I'm scared that Disney... it's going to be like. Well, I mean, I did it with no, gargoyles, dude, and I was actually pleasantly it's surprised. It's still just so... as good. It's still just as good. It holds up. It holds up. I'm gonna it check it out. Up. I'm gonna check it out. Um, I just dude, remember yeah, getting Disney so bu- pumped when that that intro came on, right? <laughs> Sorry, dude. They got the X Men cartoon too. I know they do, and to me, the X Men cartoon did not hold up. Really? Uh, maybe it's just I don't know. It just did not hold up like I remember it. Um, I I think the hard part about that X Men cartoon is um it i know it has the narratives that it keeps through of but it just it just has these shifts you know um where it goes from one story to the next one and it just can sometimes be to a to a modern watcher when you're not watching it one episode at a time on like saturday morning right uh-huh. <laughs> it just it it's not as bingeable, is what I should say. Not designed to be bingeable, right? That's right. A, mo- a modern audience that's used to binging it, uh, it just doesn't quite flow. Um, but fair, it wasn't fair. designed to. It was serial. It was not designed to flow like that. So yeah, that's not its problem. Um, anyways, uh, um, so yeah, so these yeti tales um, are all incorporated into Buddhism, and. Uh, the Yeti, in some of these traditions, because um, Buddhism has different sects, um, I mean, they're all spread out amongst these different temples in countries from, you know, India and Nepal and China, just all through Central and um, Eastern Asia. So, like, there's a lot of different traditions in Buddhism. Um, again, something I don't know a lot about because uh, Buddhism probably, though, world religion again i know the least about um but the yeti could be like monk protectors you know how um in buddhism sometimes they would have these hermit monks who would 
sequester themselves in caves um, and, you know, with no food and they would be provided for by a community. Um, and in some of the tales, you know, Yeti help provide for the monks on their quest for enlightenment. Okay. All right. Or they could defend the temples, right? Yeah. Um, and in some of these Buddhist temples, they have Yeti relics. Yes. Um, hands, fur, all, all kinds of things like that. So um, there's Yeti, there's Yeti statues, there's Yeti art, um, you know, tapestries and things like that. So it's it's a story that has been well woven into uh, the culture of the area. Uh, yeah, it has. It's a huge part of. Well, it's basically they're demigods, right? Like that's kind of how it's seen. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, Lee, before we go to a break, what what can you think of in like modern American culture that could be the closest thing to something we picked up, maybe from the natives or uh, from you know European colonists or whatever, something the furthest thing back that's been incorporated into uh like american society the furthest thing back huh yeah i mean you've got your yetis and things like that your wendigos um that's not really a big part of american society um Maybe uh-huh. your Bigfoot would be a pretty good one um, pulled from. Uh, but then if you go to like Western Europe, you got like uh, vampires and or um, werewolves would be another possibility. Uh, uh-huh. Or witches. Witches is a ooh, good one. Witches is a great one. That is uh-huh. that's probably right there. Witches. Witches. Yeah. Yeah. And um I think I don't know it's like I say we didn't really we didn't really adopt anything from uh the native cultures uh as we forced them to assimilate to us right oh yeah um, oh yeah uh, and wipe them out systematically um, so so there it's it's hard to say um what North American tradition is the most like the yeti and I I really can't think of any um, Sasquatch is the know. closest thing I, I, yeah, that I can or, think of, or Wendigo. Or yeah, or um, I don't know. There's a prob. Pro- it would probably just be uh, you know, Christian ideas like the devil as a snake, right? Uh huh. Like uh, having that creature, that animal, be the embodiment of evil. Um, is probably the the oldest thing that I could think of that we still probably hold on to. So, anyways, guys, that was a, that was a very interesting philosophical debate. God, look at us being so smart all of a sudden. See, it was strange, Dan, because the question you asked was talking about natives, um, but then it kind of went into more European pullovers. Um, well, which, the, well, I was trying to think of the oldest thing, like going the furthest back. Like, what, what is the oldest thing that I could imagine uh, that still 
you know, part of our culture and our stories. Um, and that that was my thought process there. Snake, and yeah. It does like the snake as the embodiment of evil um, can mesh a little bit more closely with native stories because uh, the native spirits were all embodied by animals. So that's that's just my thought process there. I don't know. That's fair. I can see that. Yeah. So anyways, guys, how did this religious figure, this sometimes boogeyman, sometimes quasi-demigod, um, become the abominable snowman that we all know and love? Uh, well, no surprise it has to do with uh, newspapers and uh, Englishmen of the 19th century. But we'll find out more about that after we take a quick break. And we're back. Dan has been regaling me with uh, yetis and how they're connected to folklore of the area and how it's just an amazing um, story. Uh, and Dan, you were just explaining how it became, how the Yeti became part of our everyday knowledge and just about everybody seems to know about it. Tell me more. Yeah. So Yetis, um, go way back in, in lore of Asia and the Himalayas. Um, but they get into Western culture when, uh, you know, Westerners start taking over India and other areas and colonizing the place. Um, and then it becomes, uh, you know, a story that Englishmen hear on their expeditions to the mountains and they feel like sharing. Um, and the, the point where this gets shared the most where this really starts going around um, is after a 1921 expedition to the Himalayas. It was a um, Everest reconnaissance expedition, Lee. So, you know, they know Everest is the highest mountain in the world in 1921, or they're pretty sure. Um, and to figure out how to get up there, it took a lot of walking around the bottom right to try and find the best route i mean it took many many years um to summit everest so in <laughs> one of these 1921 1921- imagine a bunch of a bunch of uh um english guys just kind of walking around the bottom yep 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 mm-hmm. yep that's uh i don't know why i went like super southern like i went straight to king of the hill um, <laughs> no, like Boom Hour. Yep. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yep, yep. Pretty much making the Sherpas carry all their stuff. Yes. <laughs> ah, cheerio! Um, that's the way we go. <laughs> right. So, uh, the the phrase "abominable snowman" was coined by Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard. Burry, or Barry, it's B-U-R-Y, so Barry, maybe, I don't know, um, and he wrote a book 
um, about the expedition. Evidently, they saw some footprints, and the Sherpas described them as coming from a creature called the Meto, M-E-T-O-H, or Mito, Mito, okay. Mito. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce that. But he uh, he mistranslated that word. <laughs> um, the The word means man bear, um, but he interpreted it as uh, filthy. So he changed filthy to abominable for the for the title, and there you go. That's it. Now it's got a new name. So it's a it's really a misinterpretation. The abominable snowman. Okay. All right. Well, that kind of made sense because obviously it didn't get stay that way. But hey, you mentioned something kind of interesting there. Man bear. Man bear. Man bear pig. I'm Lee. I'm super cereal right now. Okay. Oh, you're super cereal I'm right su- now. <laughs> I'm super cereal right now, and you're trying to throw me off, okay? And I don't appreciate it. I'm super cereal, guys. Hey, listen here. Man Bear Pig, I I was safe from Man Bear Pig. Dan was safe from Man Bear Pig. Um, But you know what? Some of our senators may have been (laughs) a little bit in danger of being attacked by Man Bear Pig. (laughs) Dude, I'm telling you what. Man Bear Pig is is real, and we're going to have to do a show on Man Bear Pig. Um... (laughs) Um, but yeah, so a lot of, um, sightings of yetis, the description varies between like ape-like hominid and a bear. So man bear makes a lot of sense, um, for a name, for a title that they gave it. Now, in the, in many subsequent expeditions, uh, around Everest and the Himalayas, uh, there were different sightings, um, different uh, photographs of footprints and things like that. But the biggest one um, what came in 1951. Uh, and it was taken by two guys, uh, Shipton and Ward. Um, I, believe, I believe Ward took the photograph. And it's a very famous picture. We'll put it up um on our facebook page it's this yeti footprint clear very clear very well defined in the picture next to an ice axe um and this footprint is a good 13 inches longly um and it has almost a a thumb like protrusion on the end uh like imagine you know you stick your your left hand out um, except your thumb was big, like a big fat, like four times the width. Um, that's a, that's pretty fair. You know, if your thumb was fat, like your big toe, um, that's kind of the uh, uh, image of this, of this was, photograph. Was it somewhere down like near your elbow? What? Like the thumb. Was it like somewhere down no. near the elbow or was it still up towards the top no it's on it's on your hand but just like imagine if you made a handprint but your thumb 
was so much was way fatter than the rest of your fingers, like your big toe is. Well, to you the rest said this toes. footprint was like thirteen inches long. Yeah, well, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just saying proportional. Oh, wise. proportionally. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's right. kind of fat and stumpy then. Yeah, and then blow up like the from your wrist to your middle finger to thirteen inches, and then blow up the whole thing. Boom. Okay. All right. I'm with you now. I'm with you. Yeah. So uh, describing a describing a picture in the audio medium. Guys, go to our Facebook page. Join our fan group. It, why aren't you doing that already? You really should. Um, but it's it's a picture that got a ton of Presley. A ton. Because um, this was... People were getting ready to summit Everest. There had been a number of expeditions. It was getting very close. There was a lot of interest in summiting the mountain. And it was the 50s. Like, And it's a cool story. And there's a picture... And it got everywhere. So this this photograph really drove uh, Yeti stories into uh, the you know cultural knowledge base for Westerners well, at least. Well, yeah, I mean that was the time when everything that was like Eastern Europe or like just that was the time when everything that was exotic was like really cool so you wanted to do oh, more, yeah. or learn mm-hmm. more about it and all sorts of stuff like that so i can understand right. that well and it's also a time where there's a lot of um a lot of exploration just starting to happen um you know uh people are gonna summit this mountain um like space like rocketry and stuff it hasn't come up yet is this 51 but um you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be a few years until there would be you know human space flight yeah so like this is this is an age of exploration where uh new stuff could still be found there wasn't much left but there were still a few things out there to conquer so mm-hmm. um very cool and in 1953 Sir Edmund Hillary, along with Tenzing Norgay, did summit Mount Everest. So there you go. That was that was a big deal. Um, and allegedly, Sir Edmund and Norgay, they saw some footprints on their way up. Allegedly. There's a lot of allegedly. 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 Now, um... So Edmund Hillary was not like super big into Yeti stories, right? Um, when people told him about it, he would be like, "Yeah, okay, um, you, maybe we saw some footprints, but we need to learn more about the mountain." Like that was his big thing: is people need to go up there. Like it's a place people haven't been, so we have to learn more about that ecosystem before we can understand how anything could live up there. That's fair. That's a fair and honest um, view. Yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy was a pretty solid dude. So props Smart to him. Guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Mur, 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 uh, mur. So, I guess over yeah, once Everest has been summited, people know how to climb it, um, and it's been climbed a shit ton since then. Right. 
Um, yes. If you have the money, you can get yourself to the top of Everest. Dude, um, have you ever seen the pictures of what Everest looks like now, though? Uh, well, uh, yeah, like sometimes where they take these crazy expeditions up there uh, with a bunch of people and they just all line up to take photos at the top. No, I'm talking about like all the garbage along the pathway up. It looks oh, yeah, awful. like uh, poop and dead bodies and like all kinds of stuff. Yeah, just and garbage, like literal garbage. People just throw uh-huh. the shit like what? Like anyway. Well, yeah, that I mean, that's how it is, man. It's a mountain. Like you, if you can't bring it down, um, you know, there you go. It, it, it's one of those things. Like, on the one hand, I wouldn't blame someone for doing something like that because, you know, you're you're in a life or death situation, essentially, right? Oh, yeah. Um, you've put yourself at great risk, but also, like, you've paid a bunch of money and. You know, or for most people have, um, and to not take any consideration for anyone who comes after you, um, because all that stuff does get left up there, just like you said. I mean, including the including the bodies. Yeah, they don't they don't do anything with it. Yeah, um, it's too dangerous to try and bring them down. Like that's how that's how insane uh, the mountain is. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Mount Everest is weird. Um, it's one of those places that is um, amazing um, and also just odd with how it became commercialized. Um, some something that cool should not be, you know, something that you can just pay for. I feel like that's something you got to really earn. You know, I can I can get behind that and agree. Yeah, anybody anybody who trains and goes out there and earns it, props to you. Like I'm, I'm all for that. Um, if you're some schmuck who makes everybody else carry your stuff um, and just pays a shitload of money to go do it, well, you're kind of an a hole. Yes, I can agree with that. So, um, but anyways, Lee, um, after after the mountain was summited. Um, again, there's a whole bunch of Yeti stuff out there now. Like this is like primo Yeti fever. Like this is when it was going big in 1954, uh, an American millionaire by the name of Tom Slick, uh, who who just said people with, yeah, dude, uh, we just said people with money are a-holes, right? Uh Um, this guy, set up a huge expedition to go on a Yeti hunt up at Everest. Nice. Yeah. So, like, people were really into these Yeti stories um, where they were willing to pay big bucks to go out and look for Yetis. Uh, Was it successful? Did he find a Yeti? And is our story (laughs) over? And is it done? No, no, he, he did not. Um... Like there's no, you know, there's no Yetis in the zoo thanks to Tom Slick, you know. God, that would be um, amazing, though. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, but it's just not a thing that I'm, exists. I'm Lucas our Yeti. I don't know why I chose that accent, but I did. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, so it's like I said, this was a crazy time, um, and. 
people who were really into the stories about summoning Everest got into Yeti stories also. And uh, some of them focused on mountaineering and some of them got into cryptozoology. You know, it just depends on your flavor. Um, and that set off a whole bunch of Yeti hunters and kind of the scientific investigation into whether or not Yetis are real. Okay. All right. So now we're in the scientific investigation onto whether or not Yetis are real. Um, Dan, I'm assuming that you found them or aliens have picked them up and taken them away because always in any situation, it's aliens. Uh, well, Lee, I thought you were more into the interdimensional. Ooh, I uh, do theory. like the interdimensional theory, but we're talking about Yetis, not Bigfoot. I'm not sure they're the same species. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, dude, um, there was an episode of DuckTales. Uh, the new DuckTales, the new version. Oh. Where they try where they try and summit Mount Neverrest or something like that, Ooh, they call it. I like it. And I there's like it. and there's all these portals that keep them from getting to the top. Um, so there there you go. There's your interdimensional theory right there. I like it. All all proven in DuckTales. It's Duck just tales. like how they oh, prove the flat earth on TV all the time. Yep. Yes. So DuckTales proved it that uh, the Yetis are interdimensional creatures that protect the tallest mountain on earth. Um, and it's on DuckTales, so it's true. True. A woo. A woo. <laughs> um, so, okay, Lee, the scientific analysis of Yetis. Um, you remember we talked about Yeti relics? Yes. We did. Well, and I've there heard you about go. some of them. Yeah. Um, we also talked about Sir Edmund Hillary's efforts to uh study the the high altitude environments. Um okay. they would they would send out teams of people to live at these environments and see how they would acclimate and stuff like that. It was very important to understand how people live at altitude. Um, And so a lot of studies were done on this. Um, A lot of studies have been done on the native Sherpa people um, to see how they cope with altitude. Um, There's a whole branch of medicine um, devoted to this kind of uh, science and understanding. So that was a big part of the scientific investigation. Um, and these relics that supposedly exist um, can now all be tested for their DNA. Okay. And have any been tested? You bet they have. Um, <sighs> Lee, it's not good on the DNA front right now. Ooh. Um, a tell me a lot of the answers is uh, bears. Mostly bear fur. Um, and sometimes like dog teeth and things like that. So, yeah, not looking too hot right now, Lee. Yeah, not not uh, looking too great. Like that seems yeah. very un uncool. And a lot of, and a lot of the scientific uh, like these DNA studies have only uh, come out pretty recently. So like there's uh, there's even National Geographic articles about these DNA studies out there. So. Okay. It's uh, it's what it's very well documented. Um, and uh, 
one of these Nat Geo articles that I saw that was very interesting, I thought, Lee, um, was about a author and Yeti hunter named Daniel Taylor. Um, and his story was very interesting. He focused his Yeti hunt on an area of Nepal called the uh, the Harun Valley. H-A-R-U-N. Harun. Okay. Or Harun or what? I don't know how you say it. Harun. Okay. Um, this, this valley, Lee, the pictures are fantastic um, because... You know, because it's a valley, it's lower, and it has a very unique microclimate um, that produces a lot of precipitation. Like, uh, it's very, very humid there. They get a lot of weather, um, a lot of rain, which leads to very dense forested areas inside this uh, high, high mountain valley. Okay. All right. Um. Because the forest is so dense, Lee, it is not very, uh, very well populated. And when Mr. Taylor, Taylor, but, 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 yibbida, 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 that's all, folks. Um, no, the name is Taylor. I was trying to say Taylor. That's not that hard to say. It's not. Uh, when it's Mr. Not. Taylor went out there, uh, as described in this Nat Geo article, he saw that people were slowly moving in from the Chinese side and the Nepalese side. Um, and he thought, well, this area is so unique and so special that it deserves protection. Um, and he went to the locals and eventually uh, the Heron Valley was designated as a national park in Nepal. So he was able to protect this very unique landscape which uh he found a number of uh different footprints in um on his yeti hunt so there you go there is a national park in nepal right now where you can go and uh essentially like hike a yeti trail go look for yetis out there doing it yeah all thanks to the work of this guy and uh organizing the locals and influencing the Nepalese government to do the right thing and protect this area. So like, like that's one of those cool stories where of something is as wild as like cryptozoology uh, has a strange positive effect on the world. Right. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool. Um, but yeah, he's found stuff there. Um, a lot of times, it's it's probably more bear related. They've had a lot of they do have bears up there. Um, he's gone along with hunters up there to find more bears. Um, so who knows? You know, maybe it's bears. But one of these one of these expeditions could turn up something else. You never know. Um, and yeah, you can find the bears in the valleys. And I would imagine from time to time they probably travel um, up over these mountains probably to get to different areas. Uh, but you wouldn't really expect a bear to be, you know, near near the top of Mount Everest where sometimes these uh, footprints are found. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so and that was what I was kind of like thinking about when you first mentioned man bear. Um, that's what I had heard as well was that... Uh, 
the I think it's called the sun bear or there's kind of, there's a bear there's a specific bear that thrives in that general area um, could it be a reverence for the bear um, rather than an actual like you know Bigfoot-esque monster I don't know I don't know listener you, you tell know, me I I don't know what I do know is um, you know the the bears are cool. They deserve protection, and uh, the, bears. the yeti hunt. The yeti hunt is a cool idea. Um, the idea that there's this park that you can go to that is uh, protected in part because of people's fascination with the yeti um, is really cool. So it's an area where the wildlife is revered. And this okay. Uh, now I'm going to go on a tangent again, Lee. Um, I think a lot of these Yeti stories can relate to people's disconnection with nature, right? Okay. Um, especially for a Westerner, right? Because uh, we live in a modern society and houses, roads, like this is what we're used to. And we very rarely uh, venture out into nature. And if we do, you know, we bring a lot of our modern conveniences with us. What? So, yeah, I mean, that's just that's just how it is. Um, and the thing is, even in these, uh, you know, Eastern cultures and Tibet and Nepal, and uh, they, they are feeling the same thing as uh, society advances. There's a disconnection. Um, and so these older stories of the Yeti um, are... I, I don't know. They take on more reverence, more mystery, right? Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. So over time, it it gets built up into a mystery, whereas before, it's, uh, you know, a legend from people who are connected to that land um, and who believe that, you know, the spirit that protects them lives in the mountain and they're around it every day, like making their living in these high altitude environments um very different from the lives we live today i can see that that makes absolute and total sense so that's that's my yeti spiel lee i've i put it all out there that's my whole yeti shebang i shot my wad on this one um and it didn't take a 300 dollar cooler to get it out um <laughs> I'm glad it didn't, Dan. I'm so glad that it didn't. <laughs> Dude, if I bought a $300 cooler, though, you better watch out. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> I'd have to get a sleeping bag that that $300 cooler could go in with me. <laughs> I'm not letting that thing out of my sight. Oh, no, it's your new best friend. It's your girlfriend. Like It's basically your new wife. <laughs> I'd take it $300 cooler that's going everywhere with me <laughs> fair enough or, or you leave your wife at camp and be like are you sure you can watch the cooler <laughs> if that cool if I come back and that cooler breaks it's broken $300 damn dollars <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing she does not listen to this podcast <laughs> Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Wow, that was bad. 
So, guys, um, I don't know. Uh, what's the moral of the story with the Yeti? Um, get closer to nature. Get outside. Um, maybe, you know, spend your money wisely when it comes to outdoor refrigeration technology. Um, and uh, don't let your wife listen to your podcast. That's that's what we've got right now. I concur. Wow. What a good one, Lee. What a good one. Sign us off. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for visiting us here on Beyond Terrestrial. Please don't forget to check us out on Facebook.com. You can also see us on Twitter. You can find us on um, at BeyondTerrestrial.com. Um, that's my favorite. Uh, and just always remember, everybody, each and every one of our beautiful Beyonders out there, always keep your eyes out there beyond terrestrial thank you for listening to beyond terrestrial all three of y'all if you're still a fan of this show follow beyond terrestrial on social media and join the beyonders facebook group for even more strangeness links to everything including previous episodes are available at beyondterrestrial.com that's the place to go for stickers merch show swag and our patreon Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Funk Master B's bachelor pad, which for now is also where these giant turkeys record this show. This show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Root. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.